Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here. I am delighted to have you with me. I I really, really am. Um, I got to, before I go to the phones again, before I go to the phones again, and I do, those of you on the phones, just give me like three minutes and I will come to you, I promise. And, And we may make these the last calls on the affirmative action case so I can move on to other stuff. But I have had so many... I've had so many people in the last 24 hours say that couldn't possibly be true. That couldn't possibly be a real thing. Please, can you tell us more about this so we're not lying? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to play this for you one more time. This is a real thing. They are calling it the Sparkle Creed. It's a revision of the historic Apostles' Creed. I will tell you, one of my favorite things to teach or preach on is the Apostles' Creed. Um, The Apostles' Creed comes from the Roman Creed. It's one of the earliest uh, Christian creeds. It spread into its final form over uh, a couple hundred years but we can find the origins of it within about 50 years of Christ's resurrection, uh, the very basics of it. And now the, uh, well, (laughs) the alphabet gang has decided to revise it. This is an actual, actual sermon, actual preaching of an actual, I'm using air quotes here, preacher. I invite you to rise in body or spirit. And let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. <laughs> oh, hellfire! Hellfire! <laughs> that is a uh, evangelical Lutheran church. 
an ELCA church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That is an actual pastor saying what they call the Sparkle Creed at an evangelical Lutheran church. Uh, And yes, (laughs) there will be hellfire. Um, that is not just so you understand. That is that's not a. They call themselves an evangelical Lutheran Christian uh, church. That is not in any way representative of anything anyone would recognize as part of Christianity. This is a, a pagan cult, um, but it's real. It is a pastor of a Minnesota uh, Lutheran church, and I didn't make it up. Um, I, I will retweet it again. If you follow me on Twitter at EW Erickson, so you can see it for yourself. Um, I will post it in my stories on Instagram as well. So you can get the link there. Uh, I don't, I can't respond to all the emails. People say, Hey, can you send me that? I want to see it for myself. I'll put it on Twitter and Instagram. So <laughs> you can see it for yourself. Now let's go to the phones. 877-973-7425. Sue, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Sue. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was in the media business for a long, long time. And probably 15 or 20 years ago here in Atlanta, I was uh, covering a naturalization uh, citizenship uh, ceremony. And um, and I was talking to this family that, that we were had interviewed. And, um, and I was talking to their daughter. There was the two parents and a daughter, and they escaped from China. And uh, she was 18. She and her, her parents uh, came to the U.S. when she was 12, so six years earlier. She didn't speak a word of English. Her parents didn't speak much English either. And so I'm talking to her, and uh, smart kid, her English was just beautiful. I mean, you really couldn't detect hardly any accent that complimented her on that and, and uh i said so you're uh, gonna be graduating from high school yes i'm graduating you know like next month or whatever it was pretty soon and i said oh that's great i said what are you gonna do she said i'm gonna go to college and i said oh where are you gonna go yale and i said really she says yeah and i said well that's quite an accomplishment and she said well i studied very hard and i worked very hard um and the kicker that she said, and I did not want to dishonor my family. She said, we got out. She said, not only my parents, we got out. But she said, I have a lot of family back in China that will never get out, that will never yeah. have this opportunity. And, That's amazing. you know, she did. And how many kids here that are native, you know, in, in the U.S., you know, they do all sorts of stuff that dishonors their family. Mm-hmm. And this girl, and that's really big among a lot of Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would do a lot of good for if it was big among more just Americans. Yeah, it, it, there there is a, you know, one of the things that, that bothers me so much, and thanks for the phone call, is the, the, the number of people here who think their way to get ahead is to drag their family. Um, we all have problems in our families, but it's just remarkable to see people who try to elevate their station in life by dragging their own family. Um, Family loyalty is is something that we shouldn't discount. Uh, Elizabeth, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Um, appreciate your show very much. I just want to bring up a quick thing. Um, I'm a retired teacher, and I worked 12 years in an alternative high school. And I got where, when I saw a normal kid, they stood out because I was used to troubled kids. 
And I just want to bring out that if it was so often affirmative action is talked about in terms of uh, money, how much money the family has. When one of the big components of for success is someone comes from a loving family with a mother and a father and they've been loved. They have a balanced quality that's really beautiful and helps them succeed in life. Mm-hmm. And that aspect, they haven't been abused in some form, mental, physical, whatever. And they just have a balance that's absolutely beautiful. So that's all I had to say. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, look, I, I, I appreciate you saying that so much because it's true and that transcends socioeconomic lines. And again, this goes to so many of the, the progressive policies of the last number of years have been to disconnect Americans from that to disconnect Americans from family uh, so that we're all dependent on government. It's one of my chief concerns and criticisms of Common Core in the American education system is what Common Core was designed to do was to make your children be good worker bees for the corporations of America. And one of the ways they did that was to separate your ability to help your children from their education. So for example, you and I learned math a traditional way. Our children have been learning math if they're in a common core system in a new way. And the way we've learned it is derisively called grandma math to make it uncool for the kids these days. And you can't help your children with their homework. And so your child becomes increasingly reliant on the government school system or the teacher's to be able to teach them their work and not the parents. And it is just another invidious way to separate children from their parents in education. It is a deeply, deeply disturbing, depraved system that actually doesn't teach kids much very good, separates them from their parents, and then also uh, really just ruins their ability to uh, find reading accessible. You know, so my kids, for example, in their school system, which doesn't use Common Core, they're in a classical Christian school system, and they are encouraged to read books and to read advanced books. And they do not penalize a child who can't read 20 books when they can only read five books because instead of reading 20 hundred-page books, they're reading five books that are a 1,000 pages apiece. And it takes them a long time to get through those books. They're encouraged to read more challenging books over time. They get rewarded for reading more challenging books and then demonstrating they could comprehend those books. In a common core system, you have AR, which is the the reader program, and you are rewarded based on the amount of books you can read. And you're given little tests on those books to make sure you have uh, comprehended them. But to get ahead and to get the prize, you read the most books. And to read the most books, you read on the grade level and you read the shortest books possible to process them as much as possible. And it takes the joy out of reading. You're rushing through to take the AR quiz on the book. So you read at the grade level. You're penalized if you read at an advanced grade level. Uh, and it, it doesn't encourage you to become a good reader. It cur- encourages you to read quickly, get through the book, and take the test, just like what the Fortune 500 wants you to do at work. It devalues entrepreneurship and disconnects you from your family and education. Common Core is a terrible system. And much like ESG in the world, what they've done in many school systems is they've stopped calling it Common Core. So it's still the Common Core system with the Common Core math, uh, but they don't actually call it that anymore. They call it community concepts and things like that. Um, not very creative repackaging, but it's still the same thing. I mean, my kids were going to our church's school, and the church's school embraced Common Core math. And it was a disaster. And there's, there, to my knowledge, they still do it. 
and we ditched it for a classical Christian school where you learn math the traditional way. And my kid has actually taken a summer program at Georgia Tech, and she was head and shoulders above everybody else in her ability to process the math concepts because she didn't have Common Core. She had real math. Not only that, because she was at a classical Christian school, she was able to be the person who spoke for everybody because none of the kids had had uh, debating skills and, and speech skills and logic classes. Uh, they hadn't had anything that you get at a classical Christian school and were therefore behind. And for a while there, I think we had a little concern. We're sending her to this classical Christian school. Is she going to be behind everyone? No, head and shoulders above everybody else because of the education she was getting that was not common core dependent. Boy, that was a that was a transition in, into an absolute tangent. Eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. When we come back, I, we, I got to talk about Hunter Biden because the Democrats are clearly shifting their strategy of talking about Hunter Biden, and I don't know that it's going to do him any good. But man, you can see the media out there trying to help him on this. Vision Computer has over 3,000 five-star Google reviews and an average phone answer time of just 15 seconds. When you call, you won't be stuck navigating endless automated menus. A live person's going to answer the phone and help you solve your problems. You know, I run a business, and it's one reason I love the idea that Vision Computer exists. Because as a business owner, you know you've got to be efficient, you got to have tech support issues resolved quickly, and you got to have your computers work. Don't let your employees suffer in silence either. They may be embarrassed or hesitant to ask for help, but with Vision Support, they can get assistance they need to work more efficiently. Reach out to them. Call 404-COMPUTE or go to visioncomputers.com. In fact, if you call them at 404-COMPUTE, ask for the Eric Erickson special when you call. They're not going to have it on their website. It's just for you guys listening. Call 404 Computer today. Ask for the Eric Erickson special. Be amazed at Vision Computer. All right. This just in. The President of the United States uh, asked about this situation. And the Congressional Black Caucus said the Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court? This is not a normal court. Should there be term limits for the justices, sir? He was walking out the door. He says, uh, is this a rogue court? He says, this is not a normal court. Okay. I know progressives won't like to hear this, but Joe Biden and the left delegitimizing the Supreme Court because they don't get the outcomes they like is no different than Donald Trump delegitimizing the election process because he didn't get the outcome he wanted. No difference at all. Uh, what they have you been used to is a court that typically gave them wins, including on gay marriage when it was a 5-4 conservative-leaning court or upholding abortion when it was a 5-4 conservative-leaning court. Conservatives over the last 40 years have been winning elections, shifting the court. And the court, by the way, gave the left a big win last week in redistricting cases in Alabama. But now they're delegitimizing that very same court because they did not get what they wanted on affirmative action, despite 20 years of Supreme Court cases saying this day is coming. There is a time limit on the court doing this. He wants to say it is not a normal court. He wants to delegitimize the court. That is no different than what Donald Trump has done to institutions in, uh, that he did not like. The left was livid with Donald Trump, and they are engaging in the exact same damn behavior today because they didn't get what they wanted. So you should be mindful when you hear the left is outraged about Donald Trump and things he has done to delegitimize institutions that they don't really mean it because they're willing to do the exact same thing 
to the institutions that don't give them transactionally what they want. That's the president of the United States. Um, shameful. By the way, of all people calling the president out on this, George Conway, you know George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's ex-husband, uh, he is uh, rebuking Joe Biden for saying this. Uh, all right, Dave, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hello, sir. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, with regards to all this, you know, the issue with affirmative action, I, I, I'd like to parallel that with uh, my uh, service in the in the U.S. Army Cavalry. Sure. There. There was no color. There was no black or white or Asian or Korean or yellow or whatever you want to call it. Um, we were all green. And you had to trust anyone and everyone to put their lives in your hand as much as you trusted them to put your lives in their hands. You worked as a team. It has nothing to do with color. It has to do with your ability to perform it doesn't matter if you're educated or not it requires that ability to contribute work as a team do your part and that was really all i all i had to comment on well listen i day first i appreciate your service and yeah i mean the, the military the enlisted rank is a military that is a meritocratic society uh, the upper echelons of the military, increasingly a government bureaucracy, but at the battalion level and the like, you've got a great meritocracy in place that the rest of us in society could learn from uh, and everyone helping each other. We're always going to have racists in society. That doesn't mean we have a racist society, and it doesn't mean that all of us um, should turn a blind eye towards injustice, but one of the injustices here was that Harvard was actively discriminating against a minority group that was in the fact findings. They actively discriminated against a minority group in favor of another, and that is wrong. One of the fine institutions that is battling back against this stuff and actually helped fund this cause that won today is Patriot Mobile. Uh, if you're a subscriber to Patriot Mobile, you played a small role in Indian affirmative action today. How so? Because pro, pro, uh, Patriot Mobile takes a portion of their profits and funds the conservative movement, and funds the causes you care about. They give you guaranteed great service. They're using some of the same cell towers you're already using, more likely than not. You can take your existing cell phone service, move it to Patriot Mobile, and uh, then you get their guaranteed great service. You can even take your existing phone number to them. You, 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 it's just it's a remarkable service. And then they grow their profits and take from their profits money to give to the conservative causes you care about, like this one. If you're a Patriot Mobile subscriber, you actively contributed through using Patriot Mobile to this win today. Uh, and the rest of you can move over there. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you get free activation. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Greetings. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The full number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program uh, let me go to the phones. Gretchen, you're going to be up next. All right, so I've, I've had a Kathleen, which is my mom's name, and now I've got a Gretchen, my sister's name. It's like my family is stalking me today through my callers. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. My question for you is I'm seeing online criticisms of Clarence Thomas about his ruling today regarding college admissions, and that criticism is he got into 
pri- uh, schools. He was hired, and he benefited from affirmative action. And now he's taking that away from the current and future generations. And how would you? Re- how do you react to that criticism or counter argue that criticism? Uh, yeah, yeah. So a couple of ways. One was that if you know his life story. Uh, he struggled himself and overcame things. And one of his deep frustrations in life are the number of people who say, well, he benefited from affirmative action. That's how he got to where he was. And he's written in the past about for much of his life, he had this lingering doubt. Uh, am I good enough based on what who I am and what I've done with my life? Or was I an affirmative action hire who shouldn't have gotten here? And he has said repeatedly that he thinks one of the worst aspects of affirmative action is the amount of doubt it leaves in the minds of those who uh, have gone through college who are not white over did they get there based on their merit or did they get there because of the color of their skin and to be judged then by other people in life. Uh, not as someone who, because of their their trials and hardships and strength of overcoming them, got where they are, but because of affirmative action. Uh, and he thinks that it's a corrosive, corrosive system in large part because it instills in all sides those doubts. Did this non-white person arrive in their position because of the quality of their uh, skills or did they arrive in this position because of the color of their skin? And that that is something that the founders in a colorblind society thought was bad and affirmative action propped up. Now, I will tell you, he will also say over time he's come to realize it was not affirmative action that got him where he was. He had extraordinary struggles living with an abusive grandfather who he still loved uh, in deep, deep poverty in the South, a direct descendant of slaves, and had to work extremely hard. And in fact, uh, in college, became a black nationalist who uh, fed on the words of Malcolm X and over time uh, finally realized actually that that was not uh, for him, that level of black nationalism, that it was bad and corrosive, uh, and he sees it in the same vein as affirmative action. It is kind of funny there uh, that the people who say, well, uh, Clarence Thomas is taking away from kids affirmative action when he benefited from it, that's exactly his point is how quickly people jump to say, well, he got in because of affirmative action. Why didn't you want others? How do you know? You just think that because of the color of his skin, and that's his point. Uh, my goodness. Okay, um, I, I got I to gotta move on because there's other stuff that I really do want to talk about, including I got to play you this audio. This is Willie Geist, who I like uh, on MSNBC, good dude, Uh, Whether I agree with him or not on stuff, good guy. Listen to him, though. And NBC News has some new reporting on how the president is approaching those issues surrounding his son. Three people familiar with the situation tell NBC News the president has made it clear to his top aides in no uncertain terms. He not only will reject any political advice that he tried to limit Hunter's public visibility, but that he also does not want to hear any such suggestions. The blunt directive from the president may help to explain why the father and son public appearances have only increased recently as scrutiny has intensified around Hunter Biden's legal problems. People close to the president tell NBC News keeping his son near also means keeping him safe because Hunter is a recovering drug addict. One more clip. This is the IRS whistleblower who was interviewed on TV. I have a very good grasp on, on the income flows. Yes. And is it millions? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, it was around 8.3 million in, from 2014 to 2019. 
as far as the president's involvement in that. So that's kind of the crux of, of one of the issues here is that we weren't allowed to ask questions about dad. We weren't allowed to ask about the big guy. Weren't allowed to ask about the big guy. Um, here's the spin. NBC News has a headline, uh, Biden warns top aides against offering him political advice about Hunter. The president's message, as one source described it, was hands off my family. This is the spin the Democrats are going to use. And I tried to warn you about it by giving Hunter Biden's backstory. When he was two years old, he was in a car with his mom. Uh, An 18-wheeler plowed into them, killing his mother and sister fairly instantly. He had head trauma. Grew up, his dad remarried. His dad's favorite son was Bo. It was very clear because Bo Biden is actually Joe Biden uh, the third, and um, Hunter was the the other kid. He grew up, became a drug addict, had all sorts of problems, traded on his family name. I'm sure there's a lot of guilt for his dad. And this is now the message we've seen it reflected by the women on the View. We're seeing it on MSNBC, NBC, and in the newspaper. Joe loves his son. This is such a good father. Joe loves his dad and loves his son and his son loves him. And this is good parenting. We should leave them alone. What wouldn't a father do for his son? But there's a problem with this. Joe Biden is one of the many people who lectures America on white privilege. What it really is is liberal privilege. A conservative couldn't get away with what Joe Biden is trying to get away with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden absolutely got a sweetheart deal to plead guilty. Hunter Biden was allowed to to take first offender status with this gun. It won't be on his record. His girlfriend, who was also his sister-in-law, threw the gun away, and Hunter Biden blamed illegal aliens. That's his privilege because he's the president's son. And Joe Biden doesn't want to acknowledge that. He wants to lecture the rest of us on stuff. You know, what's pretty rich is is, uh, with affirmative action going away and the case finding that Harvard and University of North Carolina were actively discriminating against Asian students. They wish to tell us that this nation is systemically racist. The Supreme Court has ended some of that systemic racism, and they are upset that the Supreme Court of the United States has ended systemic racism in college admissions processes and want to lecture us on white privilege while the president's son is skating free because of his privilege. The secular progressive religion is deeply inconsistent. The secular progressive religion has all sorts of inconsistencies. I mean, it goes to the trans issue as well. We're told that transgenderism is perfectly normal in society. It is a thing. And then when you say, well, we're going to ban transgender surgeries for minors, well, it's a mental health issue all of a sudden. Amazing how it morphs from being something normal to being something about mental health. There's a deep inconsistency in the logic of the left. Deep inconsistencies. Everything is racist. Everyone needs affirmative action. When Clarence Thomas votes to get rid of affirmative action, they say, well, he benefited from affirmative action. 
One of Clarence Thomas's overriding points in getting rid of affirmative action is until affirmative action has gotten rid of, any non-white person will be presumed to have gotten their position because of affirmative action and not because of their merit and skill. And they go proving him right and are too clueless to figure that out. There's a deep inconsistency in the logic of the zealots of the left and their religion. I've got to play for you this clip. This is about two minutes. This is the dean of Tulane University. We've talked about this before, but when you talk about kind of the cost that society writ large bears as a result of this, you know, you'd mentioned at one point um, Social Security mm-hmm. and, and that being kind of a system that folks are paying into and not reaping the, the benefit. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. Unpack yeah. this idea of like yeah. the, what is lost by all of society for not achieving. Yeah, it. I think Social Security, it's a good, I think it's a good example of, and it's, it's kind of a, a way that people can kind of just see the issue. Okay. So we have a policy. We have Social Security programs established in 1935. This program was established to help address poverty that many people after retirement were not able to, to basically live. The program was developed, but if you look at the differences in life expectancy, if you say you have a black worker, white worker, they begin working the same day at the same job for the same company, they make the same salary, which may not always be the case, but in this example, they make the same salary, they pay the exact same amount of money into the health care, into the social security system, and they both retire the same day because the white person on, on average is gonna live longer than the black person. There's gonna be a difference in how much they're gonna get out of that system that they paid into. It's just a good way of, I'm not saying the social security is inherently racist, but I'm saying that it has an inequitable outcome because of this health inequities. And this is, this is just a good way to demonstrate how that operates. Social Security, we could say Medicare too, right? Things that well, folks aren't you could, achieving. You could say any number of okay. programs, but I think it's just a good good way of being able to just illustrate how the inequities kind of play out. And, and again, it's important here to, to point out, when we talk about structural inequities, this is a structural inequity. It doesn't require in any individual to have racist beliefs or attitudes or values. It just simply is the way the system operates. And if we don't intervene, it'll continue to function this way. Okay, do you get what he's saying here? Do you understand what this dean is saying? That uh, one of an example of systemic racism, institutional racism, is that because the lifespan of a white person is longer than a black person, the white person will inevitably get more benefits over time from Social Security because Social Security pays out as long as you're alive. So when the black person dies early, they get less. So are they supposed to get a bigger check because they might not live as long? I mean, one of the most inherently equal things in life is to pin a benefit based on your length of life. And just because someone doesn't live as long does not mean the system is inequitable or inherently racist. That's insanity speaking. And yet that's what this person is advocating, and that's what people like him believe. And he is an an academic dean at Tulane who believes it's not actually inherently racist, but the system causes inequality because the black person doesn't live as long. So they get the exact same paycheck every day of their retirement that stops when they die. But because the white person lives longer than the black person, somehow that's bad because that person will keep getting a check. That's crazy talk, and yet this is a pervasive idea on the left now. Well, why not get the black person to live longer, figure out what's going on there, huh? 
Or why not just recognize that life's not fair, and if we premise things based on your date of death, that's actually a pretty fair way to do it. And if you keep going, you keep getting the check. But no, they would rather interpret it as racism. So much of our lives these days is interpreted as racism or inequality when it's really not. It's just life is unfair and then you die. And they don't want to acknowledge that reality. Wow. <sighs> Maybe we should just say, you know, let people take their Social Security and invest in the stock market. And then you get that benefit and it's yours. And you can pass it on to your kids. That would be great, but they don't want to do that either, do they? One of the groups that advocates for things like this for common sense reforms of entitlements is Americans for Prosperity. And they go out and they teach you how to be a door knocker, knock on your neighbor's door and convince them limited government, free markets, free people is the best for our society. You can do that. What you do is you go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K, and you sign up with Americans for Prosperity. You, they got 36 chapters around the country in states, and they're growing in all the other states. They got over 4 million members right now. They've got over 200 legislative victories in the last sessions of state legislatures alone, rolling back regulations, enhancing school choice, fighting for free markets and free people. They want you on their side, building their grassroots army. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K, sign up with them, become a better more effective grassroots activist. Hello, welcome. Thanks for being with me today. I will end on this, something I actually wanted to spend more time on, but uh, didn't get to it, and now I will. As we head into the heat of summer, the Washington Post's Climate Solutions section wants you to know that, according to the headline, you don't have to run your air conditioner 24 hours a day. Here's what to do. Air conditioning ranks as one of the biggest energy users in many households. Experts say having access to air conditioning isn't just about comfort during extreme heat events, which are becoming more frequent. Being in air conditioned space helps keep people safe, but they're expensive energy guzzlers. So they want you to know you don't have to run it all the time that you can better insulate, you can do all these things, you can even run fans and cut down on your air conditioning, and you can raise the temperature to that of lizard people and be in the 80s and 90s all of the time. Um, or you can ignore them and run your air conditioner as you see fit. You know what's going on here? It, it, it kinda, I, I say all the time, and I really am serious here that we see rising in this country this progressive secular religion uh, woven around environmentalism and other things, around population control. And at the end of the day, it's kind of a form of asceticism, is it not? To give up the pleasures of life to find some level of salvation. This goes back to the ancient Greeks who some argued that in giving up the luxuries of life and suffering – one would find salvation. It was called asceticism. We're seeing this on the left. You've got to give up eating things you like to save the planet. You've got to give up living where you want to live to save the planet. You've got to give up air conditioning to save the planet. Give up your cow and eat veganism uh, nonsense to save the planet. Uh, give up having sex lest you have kids to save the planet. Give up all of these things to save the planet. 
It's all about uh, some form of salvation from which you are miserable in life. But the irony here is that this progressive secular religion doesn't even have an afterlife. So they want you to give everything up now for what later? For for something you will never experience, some joy you will never have. That's a hell of a thing to advocate for people. Hey, we need you to give up steaks and air conditioning so a thousand years from now the world won't be on fire and we'll have all forgotten about you as opposed to we're going to bring heaven on earth, we're going to make the world better for you. Nope, they're not. They just want you to be miserable and suffer for some abstract, unproven theory of what may or may not come, brought to you by the people who in the 70s said we were headed for another ice age and we were all going to freeze to death. They just want you miserable. That's what it's all about. They want you to give up so they don't have to. They pay the indulgences so they can fly on their private planes. They pay the indulgences and believe the right things so they can run their air conditioner. You have to give up so they don't. So ultimately, it's not even really an asceticism. It's a greed, a punitive greed that you must be punished, forced to give up and sacrifice so they don't have to. It's an immature faith is what it is, but it is a religion. I mean, they have sacraments, they have rites, they have liturgy. It is, they've got an ecclesiology, they have their high priests. It is a religion. They even have the Sparkle Creed now. They've even got the Sparkle Creed. It is a religion. It's it's not one recognizable uh, to a lot of people right now, but it's got all the tenets there. We are seen in real time a secular religion. And you know, most religions don't like competition. Most religions have a level of exclusivity, including Christianity. And so does the secular religion. It's an exclusivist religion that doesn't want to have to compete against any others. And the difference is that the secular religion uh, has a lot of the cultural institutions on its side censoring and shutting down everyone else, which is why I suspect if tomorrow the 303 creative case goes in favor of the plaintiff, you're going to have another meltdown on social media by the secularists who really will not like the Supreme Court siding with any religion other than their secular progressivism. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.